Hey guys, what do you think Doug's gonna sound like? Mm, I think fat. Really? Yeah. What does fat sound like? <laughs> He's though? just gonna sound. When you do voiceover work and they say fat, it just means to like slur your words. Oh, like your tongue is fat. Yeah, like your tongue is fat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's your guess. You think he's going to be fat-tongued? I, I have a feeling he's going to be a little squeakier than that. I'm I'm going to go with like sort of like kind of more Barry White-ish. <laughs> like, I, I think it's really, really going to be like seductive. Really? All right. Like well. I think my, my pants will be off by the end of this. Uh, <laughs> they will have dissolved. It's time to find out. Yeah, I was thinking either hey. fat or super French. Hey, Doug. Hey, how you doing? Damn Good. We were just speculating on what your voice was going to sound like. <laughs> oh, okay. You, you don't sound French. So or fat. No. Or fat. Fat in a in a voice. C H A T. Yeah. No, like no, like swollen tongued. That's what. That's what. Oh, 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 oh. Like you I just ate you. a bunch of shellfish and you shouldn't have. Uh-huh. <laughs> I made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, Mises and Meat Dresses. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. We are a good podcast about bad books, movies, and television. This is episode number 90. We have now done as many episodes as the number that, when combined with the letters P and X in the right combination, can produce a rather vigorous workout. (laughs) And speaking of things that make me feel tired and weak, this week we're talking about the Atlas Shrugged movie that just came out. It took 50 years... Someone finally decided to throw a movie together in six months based on that book. Uh, this week's episode is, as always, sponsored by audiblepodcast.com slash readandweep. If you go to that address and sign up for a free trial of Audible subscription service, you get a free audiobook just for supporting our show. Also, you support our show, which is important to us. Uh, also, if you want to suggest a topic for us to read or watch, go to readweepcom slash suggest. I am your host... My name is Alex Falcone. You can follow me on Twitter, Alex underscore Falcone. I've got a very special panel with me today, though. First up, he thinks there's more to life than just making money. Therefore, he is evil. In Northern California, it's Ezra Fox. Dude, why'd you turn off my toy train set? (laughs) Such a dick. (laughs) Well, I'm going to rebuild all of the bridges out of Reardon Legos. (laughs) (laughs) It's untested. (laughs) I think it'll hold. Also joining us today, as always, he's a terrible lover with fun people and a fun lover with terrible people in Seattle, Washington. It's Chris. My wife doesn't appreciate my gifts or my fucking. (laughs) Are you finished then? (laughs) Quite. (laughs) And then magically, when you're with, uh, with the other chick, it's just like he's the best lover ever. Yeah. And less rapey in this version. Much less. Mm -hmm. In fact, as I would say, as a whole, this is (laughs) rapeless, this movie. Well. Except for the audience. (laughs) (laughs) At one point, actually, Dagny said, I I would never force a man to do anything. And I was like, really? Have you read the book? (laughs) (laughs) All right. And last up, we have a very special guest today. She's got two passion, strong steel beams, and the men who smelt them live in studio. It's comedian Bree Pruitt. Oh, hello. Uh, I studied engineering, just so you know. That means you must know more than the Metallurgical Society. I'm also very tired of doing everyone's work. <laughs> the great thing about the study engineering line was, like, if she had majored in it or minored in it even, she would have said that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I took engineering one. <laughs> I studied for a test. <laughs> Chris, you are, of course, our resident summarizer for your freakish recall and your dulcet tones. Today, I would like you to summarize in the style 
of a dramatic train wreck. Here we go, pulling out of the station. <laughs> Atlas Shrugged, part one, is the first in a proposed three-movie adaptation of Ayn Rand's longest novel, made in a very rushed production on a relatively tiny budget with very unknown actors. The mo- movie follows Dagny Taggart, who runs the nation's largest and most important railroad with her good-for-nothing brother James. Dagny wants to use the new metal invented by Hank Reardon on a railroad. Hank has kind of a shitty wife, and Dagny is surrounded by people mooching off his success. So is he. Together, they say, haters gonna hate, and build their new rail line anyway, while the politicians, who are the haters, continue to get pissed and hate all over them. Meanwhile, this dude called John Galt is seducing all the richest people in the country to his new society called Atlantis. It's coming our way. It's barreling down the tracks. There ain't no switches. Wyatt Ellis. Ellis Wyatt. Somebody. Blows up his oil well at the end of the movie, and Dagny goes, no! And that's kind of the movie. Kind of an uplifting ending. <laughs> Dagny's worse off. There's fire. I mean, like, if we can just stop the trilogy now, I'm okay with it. I didn't. I didn't understand the ending because he he had that sign up that says, "I'm leaving this the way I found it." But he did not find his oil fields on fire. <laughs> also, he probably didn't find a sign that said that either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. I might. I might be a, a little bit ignorant about this, but oil's okay after it's on fire, right? Yeah, uh-huh. It's still useful, it's still right? Yeah. Yeah. Dust it off, totally good. It's like when you drop toast, you just scrape it off. Yeah, it's, scrape yeah. off the fire part. It's five seconds of fire rule, totally okay. Yeah, yep, five seconds of fire. We're being a little mean, so before we do the mean parts of the show, let's start out with our, like we always do, we start and end with a compliment sandwich. It's how we elevate our show beyond hilarity into fair, honest criticism. Bree, as the guest, you have the right to go first or last in the opening compliment. Which do you prefer? Oh, I'll go first. Please do. Uh, Let me just say that I hate extras. And this movie (laughs) was just let me focus, right, on the action (laughs) by just no extras anywhere. Um, In any of the scenes, you know, like, there were a lot of, like, Aaron Sorkin, like, corridor walks. But no extras, no assistants. People were just waiting for their scene partner to walk in. That was really nice. It was a nice thing for me. Excellent compliment, Bree. Thank you. Chris, you were going to go second today. So when you get tired of looking at the people, near the end of the movie, there are some very nice shots of the Colorado, Colorado lights. <laughs> <laughs> or it was just, yep. The parts that were not computer generated were beautiful. The parts that were not computer generated. <laughs> and with ridiculous looking bridges that look like hugs. <laughs> Half the movie, like, I mean, the bridges looked like something from Angry Birds. They were so corny. <laughs> and then the train had that, like, really sleek look that was unbelievable because there was no graffiti on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just weird. Also, the train was unbelievable because it was 2016 and there were trains. And there were <laughs> Funny you should mention that. I'm going to use, I want to springboard off that for my opening compliment because I was really wondering when I heard this movie's coming out, how could they possibly make this, make trains yeah. seem interesting? Because I know that's the big plot of the book. And are they going to make this a period piece in Never? Or <laughs> uh, what are they going to do? And it turns out it takes a single montage. Yeah. Of gasoline being $30 a gallon, one highway bridge falling over, and a single plane on fire on the tarmac. Boom! Trains are the only way we can travel anymore. That plane was really an inspiration to us all. I mean, when it, when it broke down, we just kind of lost the, our heart to travel. We, we didn't yeah. have, the, yeah, we didn't have the, the gusto anymore that we used to have yeah. for it. And people who make bikes are like, really? Still? <laughs> $30 a gallon. You're going to go for trains? <laughs> 
2016 and we still aren't on segways. <laughs> Ezra. Okay. Your turn. Yes, I figured. <laughs> um, this movie kind of added to my knowledge a little bit. So at one point, there's sort of like a a string of uh, questions leading up to the, of course, who is John Galt? So it's like, you know, why do you ask pointless questions? And one of them is, how deep is the ocean? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, apparently we know more than we did in 1957. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> turns out, on average, it's about 4.3 kilometers deep. Uh, at its uh, deepest point, around 11 kilometers. That's what? how deep the ocean is. <laughs> <laughs> and so to answer your other question, who is John Galt? It's the shadowy guy who keeps on, uh, you know, the fedora. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, it's the one guy in 2016 who wears a fedora. <laughs> Old man rhythm is in my shoes. It's no use to sit and sing in the blues. So be my guest, you've got nothing to lose. Won't you let me take you on a sea cruise? Compliments out of the way, it is time for our regular hate segment. This is called Haiti Knuckles, where you try to keep the hates going, and if they fall, someone gets to throw one at your knuckles, and it'll it'll bleed. Yeah, I like that Not one. Not really a game, but it's painful. Yeah. Oh, it's a game. <laughs> These can be in any order. What are things that we haven't discussed yet that we totally hated about this movie? I hate the period problem. Mm-mm-mm. It's just like red velour parlor couches and just this like very, you know, it was it was trying to be a throwback, I think. But it's like, you know, 2016, but usually when we portray something in the future, it's just a little bit futury right. in general to help us wrap our heads. But this didn't even feel like it was set in the present to me. Right, because 2016 is just now with like slightly better iPhones. Right? Yeah, I, I mean, mean, 2016 is just a couple years No, they away. didn't even have an iPhone. Did you remember when Dagny Tiger yeah. came up on the cell phone? She and did. I was like, man, that looks like my first phone. And, and, and it was T-Mobile. which was It was T-Mobile, only T-Mobile in this world. I mean, there's world. so much wrong with the, the time period on this. But yeah, she did not have, she clearly would have had an iPhone 6 by now. <laughs> I mean, I think the point with the T-Mobile thing is just that it's clearly not a world you want to live in. <laughs> I think they had to have paid for that, right? So it's another Before little. They stopped existing. Yeah. Well, what, did they pay for it, or did, did did Verizon pay for that? I don't like. I don't know. <laughs> I got a hate related to that. Good. Anything. Okay. Well, so Lillian, it was Lillian, right? Hmm? Yep. Okay. So at the party, Lillian Reardon has, I think, probably my my favorite line. I know you like banana, and I like chocolate, and Mother likes buttercream. With regards to how they made the cake yeah, decision. Yeah, the, the cake. Holy shit. There were so many pictures of that cake. I was positive that was poisoned or something. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know the storyline of that, but there was so much writing on that cake just via mise-en-scene. Like, I, I was positive that there was a knife in there, something. I, yeah. It's actually My, funny you mentioned that because, um, <laughs> no, Ayn Rand has a famous quote, right? Um, in a compromise between food and poison, only death wins. Uh, so, in a compromise between cake and other kind of cake, <laughs> only death wins. <laughs> you know, I actually love this part about the cake, that when they wheel the cake in, the Reardon's toast, and then they just wheel the cake out. And my buddy and I were watching the movie, and we're like, wait, where are they taking Yeah, the I thought that too. <laughs> Do they not get to eat the cake? What's going on? There's no candles, nothing pops out of it. I, there really was a lot of time spent on the cake. At first, I thought, this is going to be a really tiny stripper. Because the tears are so far apart. And the second thing I thought, because right after uh, the Mexican government nationalized the copper mine, I was like, they're spending so much time on this. Is the Mexican government going to nationalize this cake if we sit here too long? Eat the cake, we still have it. You know, probably they didn't have a lot of 
they didn't have budget, but they spent a lot of money on food. The food looked great. There was like, and I was really hungry when we saw the movie also, <laughs> but like there was a, that he was eating like a steak and a potato at one point. And, um, you know, it really bothers me in movies when people don't actually eat. Right. It drives me nuts. And just chew and spit. They yeah. chew or they like, <laughs> they just cut up the food yeah, and they, skewer it. Yeah. And um, they make business with it, but they never actually get around to eating it. And I think it's because on a movie like this, they have to sort of combine the props and the food service budget. <laughs> so that was real food. That was actually what they were being served. Yeah. I want some of that cake. Yeah. Hey, speaking of food, I'm going to do uh, something we don't usually do is I'm going to sneak a compliment into our hates. Uh-oh. At one point, Dagny has a dinner date with Henry Reardon, and then uh, she gets a dinner date with Don Conia, and and her secretary says, "But what about your what about Henry Reardon?" Reardon? She goes, "I guess I'm gonna have two dinner dates, and I like the way libertarians eat." <laughs> <laughs> Except you notice that her dinner date with uh, Hank Reardon did not have any food at the table. No, and her dinner date with Dan Conia just involves splashing water or white wine into his face. Yeah, that was just and throwing then, alcohol. They, <laughs> yeah, both. Okay, so admittedly, both of her dinners were just booze. And she wasn't always eating. Sometimes she was throwing her face. That's how it's a hate. I hate that she wasted all that booze when she was supposed to be having two dinners. She got no food. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Seriously. Maybe the next day was her binge day. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I like the idea that she just keeps on meeting up with uh, Dan Conia like a bunch of different times. And just, you know, whatever's on the table, she just throws at him. So it's like, it's like <laughs> ah, freshly buttered dinner roll. Boom. Breadsticks. Oh, man. I Boom. want her to have a pie date with him. Rhubarb pie. <laughs> just, just a cream pie. A series of cream pies on the table. <laughs> How dare? <laughs> that was refreshing. And then he does the thing yeah. in cartoons where he licks his face clean <laughs> with one tongue. With a giant tongue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for another Read It and Weep debate. This week we are doing a tag team debate. We have four excellent contenders on two teams that are going to be discussing the topic, Is Objectivism Sustainable in Society? Speaking for the side that... No, it is not. We have, of course, Ezra, and today, joining us, the great Doug J from Balloon Juice. Doug, welcome to the program. I'm glad to be here. Also today, saying that yes, objectivism is sustainable. We have yeah. Chris. Woohoo! Why did I just know that the pro-objectivists were going to be more obnoxious in their intros? <laughs> and of course, Bree. So we will begin the side of yes, it is sustainable. We'll begin first. Who would like to make your opening statement? All right. So, in a world very much like our own, remember that our government almost shut down last week mm -hmm. due to gridlock and politicking. Politicians are not just misguided, but downright maliciously jealous of the success and riches of a few bright individuals who also happen to be dead sexy motherfuckers. <laughs> the only thing to do is to build a super fast railroad and fuck once you get to the end of it. Yeah, and these people, these politicians are not only absolutely corrupt and evil people that Chris made a very good point. They look like goblins. They are <laughs> strange. They're pale. They've got evil inside of them. And that's all politicians. All right. Jealous 
and goblin-like for the neg side. How would you respond? Doug, please begin. First of all, I don't think that the objectivist superheroes are that good-looking in this movie either. <laughs> why, why, why it was no sex symbol, right? I think we can agree on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly... Uh, I'm going to disagree with you right there, Doug. I'm, I'm kind of a chubby <laughs> chaser myself. So I'm just, yeah. <laughs> also, you know what's sexy? Tag, just tagging off Ezra's point, you know what's sexy is money. Yeah. Um, and dude had oil money. Uh, Hugo I'm, Chavez is not a looker, but you know he gets it in. I'm, yeah, and I'm a... <laughs> Get, gets it in what? What are we <laughs> in the oil talking belt? about? Oh, in the oil belt. So, so to summarize, objectivists, on average, it seems much more attractive. The first yes. round is going to have to go to the objectivists. It's time for two. Hey, Bree, high five. Damn goblins. <laughs> <laughs> for round two, we will start. Uh, uh, we will start again with Doug. New point. So I, I would say the, the great weakness to me in this is that. The only thing that the objectivists really have going for them is that they have found a perpetual motion machine. And, that, and it, seems, it seems to me that that's, a, that's sort of a deus ex. Either side could have found that, right? I mean, why would uh, Wesley Match could have stumbled onto a perpetual machine, too? Doug, you could not be more wrong. Only an objectivist could find the secret swinging bookshelf in the 20th century <laughs> motor company. They already said that the entire motor company had been like, you know, basically de-objectivist-ified, right? So all the good people left because they weren't given the room to succeed, and instead this collectivist sort of hippy-dippy management started taking over. And uh, you steal, know they steal back. Steal back. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Chris, I've read the uh, Atlas Shrugged Part 1 walkthrough, and it's pretty clear uh, where on the map the, the secret's located. I mean... <laughs> It's not a really well-designed game or anything like that. Like, if you just, you know, like, kind of tromp through, and then you, it's the third place you look, really. No matter where. <laughs> Anyone could have found this. I'm going to go ahead and judge this round now. The uh, only objectivist would play hard enough to look all the way through the room to find the perpetual motion machine, but a non-objectivist would not need a perpetual motion machine to make their argument. I'm going to give this one to the nons. We are tied. Oh, boo. At one. Tied at one. Hooray. Uh, we'll, let the, uh, we'll let the objectivist start round three. New topic. I, I just have to say one thing, and I might be piggybacking onto the last point, but like, you know, besides perpetual motion, they've also created the most amazing metal. And it's lightweight, mm-hmm. and it's going to revolutionize naval ships and other things that are going to put Dagny out of business. That is progress, my friends. <laughs> and, 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 you know, the government is always trying and i'm I'm just gonna tag off that um yeah. you know i think the biggest the biggest point in the objective's favor is clearly people are not willing to recognize greatness this metal is awesome and yet people in the streets still think that sandwich boards are feasible resumes <laughs> <laughs> clearly well, there's a disparity and you cannot pretend that we're all equals when there's clearly such inequality of awesomeness that's a good point. The metal was exceptionally shiny as well. Uh, Vaguely lavender. <laughs> how, how do you respond, nons? Uh, I would say, for, first of all, I don't see why you are so certain that the cardboard uh, signs were, were regular cardboard. I don't think that was clear. Yeah, it could have been rearing cardboard. Yeah, yeah. very good point. <laughs> but one of, my, one of my big objections is this, is that, so why does Dagny immediately grasp the greatness of Reardon Steel when the others don't? Because she studied engineering in college. Yes. What could be more leftist and collectivist than university learning? An excellent point. These uh, these people, Reardon and Dagny, they are taking their their big government education 
and then using that to turn around and screw everybody with it. They're trying to. Have oh, it she went ways. to private school. She went to private school. Pri- also, private she didn't schools, say she finished. Pri- private <laughs> schools are still nonprofits. They get Pell grants. They're, right. they're she went for a, a for-profit university then, like, <laughs> like, like University of Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. Like unless, unless you can prove to me that she went to a University of Phoenix-style college, then I, I, I'm not convinced. I can. <laughs> she was in my uh, massage tech class. <laughs> it was an elective. She wow. looks like she has very smooth skin. Bree, I did not know that you also are a Phoenix. Yeah, I have a theater degree from DeVry. <laughs> Theater arts. That will take places. We acted on Skype cameras. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wow. I, I guess it's time to judge that point. Fascinating. So uh, I'm gonna have to give this to the non-objectivist. She did indeed likely study engineering in a college, <sighs> living off the dole. All right. Which round... means what? Hang on. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like... she's not continuing to develop her own excellence and pursue, you know, her higher goals through learning. Yeah. She's an individual. In the masses. I'll look at look though. One of the most prominent uh, wealthy libertarians after the Koch brothers is that uh, dude. His name is like Teal or something like that. One of the early Facebook investors. His big uh, his big cause right now is convincing kids to drop out of college. Mm. He's giving them a hundred thousand dollars if they'll drop out of college and try to start a company. Could they use that hundred thousand dollars to? F- Pay for their college later? I, I think they probably could, yes. Okay. <laughs> but what if, what if I agreed to posthumously drop out of college because <laughs> I have some student loans that I could use paying off? Alex, I'm going to tag you out there. Oh, okay. About the loans thing. Yeah. <laughs> if you fake your own death, right? you'll probably get out of that. What? Yeah. They uh, probably will not. If you, like, if you do a good enough job, absolutely. Alex, I, I will totally help you with that. Faking my own death? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is kind of an awkward time to tell you guys, but... You know your friend Alex from the podcast? Yeah. yeah. He died Wait. last week. <gasps> what? No! That's really sad. It's very sad. Oh. I am his twin brother, and oh. I will be replacing him on the show. Also called Alex. Coincidentally wow. enough, yeah, my parents liked that name enough that they gave it to both of us. Um, but I'm not your friend. Well, this I don't know how to deal with this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, shock and grief and about $28,000. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyone want to respond to, to Alex Two's claim that he's a twin? <laughs> he has a mustache, pro. Yeah. Pro point. Um, I, I will. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tag off that, uh, Bree. As a twin myself, my twin sister looks exactly like me, only wears a mustache. <laughs> I know that she's my twin. <laughs> I've seen her on Facebook. She she actually looks great in that mustache. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll. Doug, can we uh, get your response here? Do twins exist? <laughs> as far as I know, yeah. I'm going to tap yes. you out there, Doug. Uh, <laughs> twins are mostly, most commonly created through in vitro fertilization, a process <laughs> that was invented by government-funded scientific research. Is that good or bad? You didn't really take a stand there. Uh, 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 the, the point that uh, twins exist, yes, but they are okay. almost always moochers. Okay. Addition- and are you pro-moocher or con-moocher now, Alex? I kind of <laughs> lost track. I am against mooching. And I, I think Chris as Chris will have to confess, in all fairness, he mooched off his sister in the womb. They shared an egg, and he took half of it. That's okay. not actually how fraternal twins work. <laughs> <laughs> Point goes to Alex. <laughs> the score is four to three. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, four. What up, Bree? High five. <laughs> I'm going to tag you out on that one. Uh, Chris, <laughs> high five. Uh, great. Moving right along. Uh, it's now the uh, ad hoc... Um, what, was it? what was the attack one? Ad hominem. 
the ad hominem uh, ad hominem it's the attack round <laughs> <laughs> as is as is traditional in read and weave debates we always have time for one brief uh, ad hominem attack on the Tag other out alex we have time for two okay <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, I'm going to start. Chris, you're only half a person. Alex, that mustache is not becoming on you. <laughs> it's a pencil mustache. Exactly. Who are you, Cecil B. DeMille? Clarifying question. Alex, are you Cecil B. DeMille? <laughs> Posing as Alex's twin. Guys, uh, this is going to be a sad time to tell you this. Uh, Cecil B. DeMille died last week. <gasps> Seriously? Just last week? <laughs> And you are are also Cecil B. DeMille, his twin brother. Yes. Parents named him both the same thing. <laughs> Doug, let's go into you. Attack someone. You guys are not as funny as you think you are. <laughs> Steel. I am exactly as funny as you <laughs> I'm going to tag you out on that, Chris. You are sometimes very funny and frequently racist. Steel, I am not racist. <laughs> Ezra? I'm not racist. Tag. Point goes to me. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm tagging myself back in. So for our for our final round uh, of this debate, I'm going to give each person on each side ten words to summarize why their point should win. We'll start with Bree. Ten words for the non-objectivist side. Politicians are evil, ultimately, and that is tag. Baba booey, baba booey, baba booey. <laughs> All right. Chris, uh, I think you got an easy steal on this one. What's your 10-word uh, summary of your point? You're a lion. Take what's yours. Haters gonna hate. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> Not only... I mean, it, it is strongly to his case that he talked quickly and still got the word count right. Doug, the last words are yours. Ten of them, please. Objectivism is wrong because this movie sucked. I think that is almost indisputable. I'm going to have to give this this debate to Doug and whoever's left on Doug's team. <laughs> Was it me? <laughs> Very hard to say. Go, Doug. <laughs> Doug, I uh, we, we really appreciate you watching yeah. this whole stupid movie. Thanks for having me. For a brief conversation. <laughs> Doug, take a second. Uh, tell us about your what your your is it fair to call it a blog? Yeah, it's a blog. It's a it's a political blog, but it has a lot of pet pictures, things like that nature as well. What so, a coincidence! We yeah. also like pet pictures. Mm-hmm. We have about seven writers, maybe something like that. John's always adding new people. It's really John Cole's baby. I'm, uh, you know, I'm just a, I'm just a moocher. He's the <laughs> Galtian genius who created the whole thing. I think it's pronounced so. moucher. <laughs> Wesley Moucher. <laughs> And, and, and what, what sort of stuff do you usually write about? I mostly write about politics. Uh, I occasionally write about uh, wine, but 90% of it's about politics. And uh, i trying to think what else. Mostly we spend our time criticizing other bloggers, I would say. That's probably our main, our, our main, uh, our main activity. Ooh, infighting. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. That's something that I've always wanted us to do more of is criticizing other people in, in our industry. I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. (laughs) And and that is found at balloon-juice.com. You're a fellow hyphenated URLer, which we appreciate. That's right. That's right. We really appreciate you sitting through this crappy movie and talking to us. We'll uh, we will talk to you again soon. Okay. Well, good good to see you. Yeah. (laughs) Likewise. Thanks, Doug. This is John Galt. 
speaking. I've interrupted all airwaves today to broadcast a message expressing my condemnation of the recent Atlas Shrugged movie for besmirching the good name of me and my lover, Ayn Rand. This movie is nothing like Ayn Rand's book. This movie is much longer, much more tedious, and involves many, many more meetings. Also, there is no cake. Let me make this perfectly clear. There is no cake in Atlas Shrugged. I don't know where the film got that idea, but it's slander, it's libel, it's defamatory, and I, as John Galt, will not stand for it. In fact, I am building an engine as we speak to destroy all cake in that movie and remove what cake there is left from society, as I believe it is an instrument of communism and of agents of the Communist Party. Thank you for listening to this broadcast. Let's do a lightning fast, lightning bonus round. This is not hates nor compliments. This is just basically very brief one-liners. And when somebody says lightning bonus round, your joke is over. I'm going to start. Why did the diner, the Denny's that they were all hanging out in, have a hooker in it? <laughs> I saw that. Denny's with a hooker in it in the city. Yep. I call that a grand slam. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Light lightning bonus round. Uh, Dagny Taggart uh, not getting on top. Bullshit. Yeah. No, Bullshit. why isn't she getting on top? Uh, but, you know, it's got to be a Hollywood thing because that character would get what she deserves. Yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, I think she would, you know, be pegging from behind. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about her pleasure. It's about Wait his for the subservience. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Lightning bonus round. Lightning bonus, Lightning bonus round. Did you know that John Galt, I just looked this up on IMDb, uh, was played by the director of the movie? Yeah. What? And also that the director of the movie's biggest experience thus far is a TV role recurring on One Tree Hill. <laughs> <laughs> well, that explains think... all the trees. <laughs> <laughs> and the hills. <laughs> he expanded actually a lot then, considering there's only one these hills. Good for him. Uh, good for him. Uh, why would you, if you're making a movie... Lightning bonus round? Yeah, lightning bonus round. If you're making a movie about people who are supremely good at their jobs and that they are righteous because they are awesome at their jobs, why would you have such an amateur cast, amateur directors, bat, why would you, how could you miss that? Do you think this was like a proof of concept Ayn Rand movie and they're going to make a real one later? <laughs> <laughs> this is just for a pitching Pitching yeah. a creepy <laughs> this idea. Is pitching. <laughs> yep. All these actors were stand-ins for larger stars. <laughs> this damned economy. <laughs> Lightning bonus oh. round? <laughs> Lightning bonus round. This ad was required but not approved by Audible. Meanwhile, at Taggart Transcontinental. I'm sorry, Miss Taggart, but they're shutting you down. Damn them. Don't they know they're stopping progress, Eddie? I told them, but, well, I kind of agree with them, Miss Taggart. Not you too, Eddie. This is why you don't go to John Galt's paradise at the end of the book. I know, Miss Taggart, but no one wants to ride your new train. Why? It's safe, it's fast, and it's energy efficient. But about that last point, Miss Taggart, your train runs on rape. Well, obviously. How is this okay with you? It's like my eyes said to Francisco Denconia before we had sex. 
it's okay that you rape me because I've clearly consented to this a long time ago. I pitched that to the marketing department as a slogan and everyone just hated it. Well, Ms. force them to like it. That's your solution to everything. Look, Miss Taggart, you, you've had a lot of great ideas, but I think it's time to bail on this one. Oh, Hank. Dagny, good news. I have the new formula for Reardon Metal. You're right. It needed more rape. Now it's twice as strong. It'll be ready as soon as I can think of a good pun that has sex and my name in the title. Hank, they're shutting us... Oh, Ream the Metal? As fun as this is, I think you've lost sight of what this business is all about. Impossible. Oh, hey, what about Yank Your Dong Metal? Huh? Uh-huh. Hard yet firm. It's, it's just that... No one's going to pay to be raped on a train. They're just going to fly instead. Well, what do you suggest, underdeveloped supporting character? I think you should go to audiblepodcast.com slash read it and weep and get a free audiobook. I would recommend Seth Godin's book, Poke the Box. Oh. It's not about rape, Dagny. Uh... But it's a good book about business. Did you say free? I'm no mooter. Oh, you're the worst tycoon that Dagny bangs. Go back to your spankerier than metal. AudiblePodcast.com slash read it and weep. We won't force you to do it, but we deserve it. Uh, all right, so it is time for the second half of the compliment sandwich. We're going to go in reverse order, which means Ezra is going first. Hey, I think this is kind of a real compliment. I'm <laughs> <laughs> so surprised, buddy. I was. Well, so they, they kind of had some fun storylines on the side articles of all the newspapers they had. Mm-hmm. One of them was post-99 to keep alcohol permit. What's Don't you want to know more about post-99 <laughs> and their alcohol permit? <laughs> We never found out about them again, but, you know, uh, someone wrote a side article that, that referenced that. I'd like to know about these. What the fuck is a post-99 anyway? You have to sit on oh. a post to drink in this new future. But you can still. Yeah, yes. but you have to sit on a post. And it's 99 feet in the air. <laughs> Damn government. That's why everybody's drinking. Oh, red tape, yeah. <laughs> Plus, at that altitude, you get drunk much faster. So it's yes. actually kind of efficient. Chris. Yes. No. Me. Uh, so for my minor compliment, uh, I would like to compliment the self-awareness of the movie. During that really bad CSI 21st Century Auto Factory investigation, yes. where they managed to find the uh, everything behind the file cabinet, over and over and over again, the characters say to each other, it is unbelievable that the plant was left this way. It's unbelievable. I don't believe that they left this plant this way. And I completely agree. It isn't <laughs> even a little bit believable. Yeah, they didn't realize that if you repeat it enough, we'll start to agree. I mean, it's such an unbelievable scene. I'm glad to know that the actors and the writer were both aware that, that they were doing something ridiculous. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, now it is your time for your minor compliment. Yes. Once again, I'm going to admire the bravery of these filmmakers uh, in ending the movie with a giant, No! <laughs> and then, To Be Continued. Like, it was just like, you know what? We're going to transcend the medium of schlock. Yeah. It was very, like, 1970s TV to me. Like, that kind of a cliffhanger. So, awesome. <laughs> the ne- previously on the Rockford Files. <laughs> <laughs> she just blew past those firemen. 
Yeah. Yeah, they made no effort to actually tackle Restrain her. Restrain her. She's, she's got away 110. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, there's just another example of the government <laughs> firefighters being yeah, terrible. They're because they're getting paid by government contracts, they don't try very hard. Just because of their what they need to raise their families and not their merits. Yeah. Her CrossFit classes are clearly paying off. <laughs> <laughs> Bree. Final compliment of the movie. What is the last nice thing you'll ever say about Alice Shrugged, the movie? Probably. Well, I have to say that I I get really uncomfortable around sex. And I thought it was very tasteful of them. Just to give us the briefest <laughs> glimpse of humping without, music. without the terrible parts like, you know, the moisture and the sounds. And the, yeah, nakedness. Pleasure. And the pleasure, I yeah. guess, is the was what Mostly I'm saying. What makes you uncomfortable. It's yeah. just really, it was really nice to just breeze right past that in a moment of, uh, of <laughs> what could have been emotional. Yes. Just to nope. just to skip that and do more talking in limos. All right, and that is it for our show. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. This has been episode number 90. We will be back again next week. Next week, we're going to be watching The Human Centipede. You guys, our number one most requested, uh, number one most requested topic on readnetweek.com slash suggest by a large number, almost twice as many as anything else. And we have, we've been putting it off because certain members of our team named Ezra have been filibustering for some time, but I finally convinced them to do it. I am not looking forward to this at all. I I am not either, but at least I'm going to do it. It is, the time has finally come. So that is next week. You can watch that along with us if you dare. Uh, squeamish need not apply and uh, if you have any feedback for us about today's episode about past episodes about future episodes go to readdistweep.com slash contact fill out the form send us what your thoughts are we love to hear about it Uh, thanks as always for being here Chris and Ezra no problem yep and thank you so much for joining us Bree Uh, Bree is a comedian director actor all in the Portland area uh, Bree, do you have something yeah. you would like to tell us about it? Um, I'll be do- telling jokes at the Bridgetown Comedy Festival, Friday the 22nd. And uh, after that, uh, I'm going to be hosting, or uh, rather, yeah, hosting comedy at the Hawthorne Theater on May 7th. And I'll be telling jokes at the Brody Theater on May 6th. If you're in the Portland area, check it out. So many opportunities to come see Bree perform. And uh, Bridgetown, a tremendous honor. And it's great that you, you get to be in that. So congratulations. Thank you, Alex. I will post those dates on our Facebook page just so that there's some place oh, where someone could go find all that. So if you go to facebook.com slash read and weep, you'll see that info. Do you happen to have a pet? I a pet? Yeah. No. No pets? Okay, never mind. No, I have two houseplants in foster care. I can't take care <laughs> of anything. I don't like having houseplants because you have to watch something die and know it's your fault the mm-hmm. whole time. It's very stressful for me. Just like a kid. <laughs> That's why I do not have children. All right, that is it for our, our show. We will talk to you again next week. Take care, everybody. Goodbye. It's just a train. I don't know. It, it blew up at the end. I uh, thought it was a human centipede. No. <laughs>